Okay, you could start whenever. Welcome back to another episode of the Born Again Again podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Joe. One of my favorite things about recording day is the little reminders that Joe gives us before we start recording. He says things like, Katie, don't say like too much. And I'm going to try not to say yeah a lot. And we need to be slow. And we ne- and Katie, you need to not be too mean. And I love that. So maybe you could just keep a running total of how many times I say like in this episode and it'll help me change that bad habit. <laughs> That's a good accountability for sure. <laughs> okay, so today is going to be a really fun episode because we're doing a Q&A episode and we got a ton of questions and um, we're going to try to keep this episode maybe an hour and if we don't yeah. go through all of them, we'll do an extended uh, episode maybe on Patreon. So I'll start a timer right now. Nice. So um, we're going to kick this episode off with just like a super easy question and it's something you're probably really familiar with because you probably just heard and it's about our music. Somebody asked, uh, did you or somebody make the song for your podcast? And if so, who? And Joe, you want to take this? <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I like love so much how much attention the song has gotten like on the Facebook group and people's comments on Instagram. And now we have a question about it because it was one of those things that we like barely put any time into it's mm-hmm. actually just the apple loops built into GarageBand, and dragged over this little piano riff and dragged over a little bass line to go with it and that's how the song was born and both of us were like oh that kind of sounds nice mm-hmm. yeah sounds like, like really like just kind of happy like lighthearted and catchy let's just use that for now that's what we said and we were, then yeah we 32 were, episodes later <laughs> here we are we were in the stage in our life where we heard someone say do B minus work just to get stuff done more because we can oh, kind yeah. of be perfectionists. Mm-hmm. And like, so we're like, oh, B minus work, get the job done. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and it's done now. Yeah. I'm All glad right. that uh, the song landed, though. Anyways, glad mm-hmm. people liked it. All right. So the next question is, what has the general reaction been to your coming out in the podcast? Have old friends pretty much left you alone or do you get messages, calls or texts frequently? Um, and the general reaction to the podcast has been wildly positive, mm-hmm. way, way more positive than we ever would have imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of our friends, I f- feel like our friends barely have heard from my friends at all about it. Um, well, I- we got like, so we had a few initial responses from a couple really close friends mm-hmm. and then that was it. They did kind of leave us alone yeah. since then. Yeah. But it was like maybe three messages from like people who had been really close friends. And even all three of those were seemingly like pretty soft and kind and like, I, think I don't know, from your as gentle pers- as they could have been. I think from your perspective, they were, but there were a couple that to me I, that would have really like annoyed me mm-hmm. the phrasing of some of the those. So don't be fooled yeah. by how uh, kind and how much of a positive spin <laughs> Joe puts on everything. Um <laughs> I think that dude, though, my cousin actually like like tried to roast me on my Facebook post when we came out though. I it was that really was a really, bad really one. upsetting. And yeah, one. So that was one. I also had a a little message. Well, I think that he wrote actually to Joe, but it was somebody from my past who I barely talked to, and he barely knows what I'm going through in my life. And I think that's why some of these reactions from Christians hurt oh, is because yeah. they haven't these people haven't talked to you in like ten years. Yeah, but you should read that one. I can read it. 
Um, so he's writing to Joe. He said, I'm devastated about this, although I don't know you, Joe, for God so loved the world, dot, 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 all of his creation, dot, 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 that he gave his only son, dot, dot, dot. I pray you will remember that not in your intellect, but through the Holy Spirit that creates and sustains faith. May you know the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. I feel, yeah, okay. I don't know. I remember like that kind of hurt me a little bit in the beginning, but now it's kind of like, you're not really saying much here and you don't know what I went through. And so unless you do, you can't really speak to that. So um, I think that's the reason why it hurt was because you like barely knew him and it was clear that he didn't understand what we were going through, you know, mm -hmm. but like he felt the liberty to comment and like give advice or whatever, or, you know, uh, we have been left alone, like I said, but I wonder now I'm thinking about it. If the reaction was only because of how public we were about it for this, you know, one post we put on Facebook and we've been pretty quiet about it. We're pretty active on Instagram, but not a lot of our old Christian friends or not a lot of family are on there. Mm-hmm. You know, we have personal accounts and they don't. So I don't think they would really see anything that we say about, you know, the podcast. Yeah. 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 It seems like not a whole lot of negative reactions. And like I said, overwhelmingly positive in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's been okay. So that leads us into the next question. Uh, It says, was there anyone in your life who was excited to hear that you were no longer a Christian? And the answer is yes. Yes. Um, Yeah, I had kind of a surprising number of old friends um, that I had kind of just lost touch with. When I posted on Facebook, I received messages from them and comments on the post and stuff of people who were like pretty supportive of what we went through. Mm -hmm. Um, And that actually even more surprisingly to us at the time was there were a few people from our old church who messaged us and were saying that they like completely resonated with where we were at and went through something similar. Um, Yeah. And it was it was super comforting because I think that that like stage of feeling super, super isolated is tough and so it was really nice to kind of get like a warm welcome once we like went fully public with it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah um the next question is how has your approach to christmas changed it says i only recently deconverted so this will be the first year celebrating the holiday not believing in jesus as the reason for the season and it's honestly been weird This was my favorite holiday, and now I'm not sure how to interact with Christmas because all my family's traditions are so steeped in Christianity. Um, I feel like you've always been more into Christmas, so maybe I'll let you take the lead on this one. Yeah, I guess for me, um, we were talking about this today that I think a lot of something that really helped us heal heal is we moved away not because of our deconversion, but just, we were, we wanted to move to the West coast, but it happened to be around that same time. And I think that we being moved kind of had to like create our own traditions around Christmas. So we have been able to celebrate a couple of them just because of the distance. Like, so we sort of established what we want our Christmas to look like. And, but it has made Christmas weird in a different way because when we do decide to go home for christmas it's such a large distance so we have to stay with family and um thinking about church and and kind of going to services was hard to navigate a couple years we tried to just kind of like switch to the opposite parent's house whenever the other one was going to church (laughs) so we could avoid church um i don't know if you want to try it out (laughs) uh but that that did work for a while, but 
that was before we told our parents. So we did that for a couple years. And since we told them this past spring or summer, mm-hmm. uh, I feel that if we did decide to go home this Christmas, they wouldn't press us so much about yeah. the services. But it does make me uncomfortable because it's a time when people pray a lot and just talk about Jesus or like, you know, singing more Christmassy Christian songs. And it does make me uncomfortable in those situations. And I'm not really sure what to do. I'm definitely not going to stop them, though, because they should be allowed to celebrate the Christmas how they want to. And if I'm if I'm there, I don't want to like be Be that that party pooper. No. (laughs) So um, but I think like an important part of it now is to create your own traditions for however you want to celebrate Christmas. And so we do still celebrate Christmas. We, we like to have a Christmas tree and um, we like to put pretty lights on and watch Christmas movies and kind of all of the things that you would do like as a secular nineties kid uh, growing up with Christmas. um, It, it like, it does bother me a little bit that Christ has to be in Christmas, but I'm still trying to just like treat it as completely a secular holiday and like not get, I don't know. I want to have a holiday still. And so far we've been doing a pretty good job of keeping away from the religious part of it. Yeah. I actually feel like more Christmassy, more into the Christmas spirit than I was when I was Christian. And I, I think it's weird. I haven't never really thought about it, but I don't think that for me, the Christmas holiday really had any special like spiritual significance to me like even though i was crazy christian and like praying all the time and had the strongest faith and all that whatever uh christmas never felt like a very spiritual thing to me it was kind of just like a really fun holiday where you eat tons of cookies and like open presents with your family and it's just it's christmas you yeah know? i feel like a lot of people get like christmas is just a secular holiday yeah. and then i feel sometimes that christians like just put a little their stamp on it yeah but like everybody wants to eat cookies and presents <laughs> right that's like that's what part. it's about like you no know matter what, what I mean? religion you are that is definitely the best part of christmas <laughs> <laughs> it's not like thinking about a baby the, in a manger it is because you grew up like that but like once you take it out you realize that all of the best parts of christmas are actually still there the other stuff yeah okay that's our opinion yeah <laughs> Uh, all right, next one. Are there any pro-theism arguments that have given uh, that have given us pause since deconverting? Um, I had to think about this because it, it's been a while since I had a thought that like kind of stopped me on my tracks. I, I will say that the biggest like pro-theism argument that uh, I get hung up on is creation or creationism, and I'm not talking about like young Earth creationism. I just mean uh, that like the idea that all of the entire universe and the earth and all of us and everything came from like nothingness for no reason is really hard for me uh, to like accept that. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is a pro theistic. Well, it's pro pro theistic, <laughs> not pro Christian. You know, yes. like I can totally buy into the idea that there is like a God or like an a energy source that created the the universe and created the earth and created life and all of that. But like, to me, that has nothing to do with Christianity or the Christian God, mm-hmm. you know? So like, yeah, I'm, I would say I'm actually probably more in the camp of believing that th- the universe has purpose and like mm-hmm. was created or like is a manifestation of something else um, rather than just like cold, empty science, you know? Mm-hmm. 
yeah cold empty sides well you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah i know i know exactly what you mean um i when i heard this question i was like oh this is a really good question i i had to think about it for a while too because i don't i feel like i'm kind of surprised that i haven't that there haven't been any arguments that have stopped me in my tracks in a that's a, really in a, good a long time because this is how it was when we were leaving is that we were kind of waiting for those and we studied um apologetics a couple things and um, we've had some conversations. There have been some more progressive Christians that have talked to us, reached out to us, and and we've listened to other podcasts. And I don't, I just, I don't know. I'm really, I really, really do try hard to stretch my mind, and I never want to be closed off to anything. And I haven't had anything that stopped me in my tracks in like a long time. Yeah, Is it the given given me pause yeah. in a in a long, long time. I um, think hell was my hang up for a long time, but, um, yeah, that was less of like of an it, argument. It wasn't than, an argument. It yeah. was yeah, more of a threat. Uh, but that fear is kind of just faded with time. Yeah. We, um, yeah, like you said, we actively were searching for the best pro theistic arguments for a long time to try to save our faith and like, couldn't find anything. I'm actually really curious now to hear what other people's like best pro theism arguments are, mm-hmm. because I don't know. I just, I feel like I haven't ever been like, super impressed by any of them Mm. okay uh next one do you have any spiritual practices that you still do that are no longer focused on a god presence like meditation etc what things keep you feeling grounded now in place of prayer etc um so we've talked about meditation quite a bit on here uh but we both have a pretty much daily meditation practice. I guess like when we're really when we're doing really good then it's no, a daily it's meditation practice. No, it's not daily, practice. but that is like the thing that keeps us grounded. Mm-hmm. If we need grounding, then I think that for us meditation, I can feel the difference in it. I've like even have like a couple times in my life when I like really dedicated myself to it and I like look back at those times and remember you know feeling so peaceful yeah, yeah. and grounded. It- it makes like a super tangible difference to me. I think like a lot, the things that have been replaced are kind of like checking in with myself, thinking about my emotions and like actively not trying to shame myself, taking deep breaths and kind of just being like remembering and reminding myself to live in this present moment and think about how this present moment will not never exist again yeah. and like kind of appreciating it. Yeah. And that really, that's kind of been my, uh, I don't know if it's a mantra, but something that I come back to for the past uh, couple years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really great. I think that we were surprised to find that there's there like totally is a sense of spirituality on the other side of organized religion. And I personally have really enjoyed that, really enjoyed exploring that, exploring meditation and reading different books by like different spiritual people. And yeah, it's been cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. How do you plan to handle the subject of religion if when you guys have kids have you thought about how you'll set boundaries with your religious family when it comes to your kids so we've had a lot of questions about children Mm -hmm. and we i just have to say and everybody knows we don't have any children and so just take everything we say about this with a grain of salt because we don't know what it's like to be parents or the struggles of being a parent at Mm -hmm. all so what do you think i (laughs) I tried to like visualize this and tried to imagine having kids. And obviously that's not the same thing as the real thing, but um, I feel like I would want to be so protective of my kids around this area. 
And I don't mean like shutting them off from everything, but I would want to be like very open and uh, very clear to them, like what we believe and like what the different options are to believe and stuff like that when they're older. But when they're younger, I would not want my family to like bring them to church or I would not want my family to in, like try to influence them in that way. And I, th- I don't even know that I'd have to have that conversation with my parents. Like I feel like they probably wouldn't cross that line on their own anyways. But if they were like, I would totally set a hard boundary. Like you guys cannot talk to my kids about religion. Like that's a really personal thing. And I think it's um, like, that's not for them to decide, you know, mm-hmm. them meaning your my parents. parents. Yeah. I think it's hard because I was even thinking about this today. At what age do you have like sort of a religion talk with your kid? Like how, you know, young is too young mm-hmm. for them to understand the concepts. Because I think that when we talk about having kids, we talk about how we want to make them feel that they can ask us any question, that there's no shame in, you know, anything that they'd want to know. Yeah. And I'm sure that's like a lot easier said than done. But um, I'd like to create a like a community where we talk about things and talk about how what we think about like i guess how we i would like to create and foster a sort of a family community of questioning and like like being healthy questioning and always like asking why do we have to do this or what is this all about and i'd like safe environment i'd like to teach my kids to like question everything yeah for Um, sure that is (laughs) there were a lot of questions about children and it I like, I really sympathize with you guys who are kind of having to answer these questions for yourself because it, there's like a lot to consider. I don't know what I would do if I was a Christian family, like, and we had children when we deconverted and there had already been an established sort of, uh, relationship that my parents had with my children, you know, a Christian relationship. I think that would be a lot harder than now having kids as, um, just non-Christian people. Right. But like, if we were in the middle of it with children, I think that that's something that would need to be taken one step at a time. And like, just a lot of honest communication with parents. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it starts with telling them where you're at and then like, let that sink in for a while. And then being like, all right, like we're going to try to set some boundaries for our children. Yeah. Right. (laughs) All hypothetical. All hypotheticals. Yeah. All right, this is a little bit similar because it's about children, but this question says, if you were to have children in the future, would you circumcise them? We talked about this for a little bit. Yeah, I would not. Yeah, I don't know. It seems, I don't, I haven't like read a lot about this or like listened to podcasts about it, um, but I, it seems weird to me that we would like cut a piece of a child's body off of them mm-hmm. for like for some reason. I don't is it if it's for hygiene, then that seems like a stupid reason. Yeah. So, well, I liked how you said today that it's like cutting off a piece of your ear because it's hard to clean behind your ear. Yeah. Like, because you wouldn't want to cut your ear because right. it would look crazy. <laughs> because it would look crazy <laughs> and you wouldn't have an ear. <laughs> I, I think it's hard to say because we obviously don't have children, but um, I about the hygiene thing, I would think that first I would do a little bit of research and I would see if that's just like debunked or if that's even real or if it's, if it's fine, you know? And then if it was like not really a big deal, then I would say, no, I would not like to circumcise my kid. And if they wanted to, when they got older, that's, that's his decision. Uh, but like, I, I think that it is, it's genital mutilation. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's very cultural and not even really, people don't do it for religious reasons anymore at all. Like it has to start somewhere with someone saying something about it. And like, you know, I think that yeah, I guess like 
I would want to be like starting that tradition or whatever in, in my family yeah. and talk about it with the kid, right. you know, and Joe said something funny today about it. I was like, would you, do you wish that you weren't circumcised? And what did you say? I said, yeah, I wish I wasn't circumcised. And why did you say that? Cause I want everything to be there. Okay, it's like it's yeah. an interesting perspective. It's weird. I like don't have like, anything why did someone, to do like, with cut that. Something off of me. I don't. Yeah, want that. I don't know. Yeah, weird. All right, next question it says: My spouse still believes, and I left the faith over a year ago. We are currently separated. What are your thoughts towards the best way to reconnect? Um, we got we got a few questions like similar to this, where it was one partner in a relationship. Uh, was deconverting and the other one was still really devout and questions around kind of that situation. Um, obviously, just like the kids thing, we don't have like expertise, personal expertise in that area. Um, but I think that something that we've learned over the last year is that there is like nothing more precious than just totally open, honest communication. Um it's it's kind of surprising for me now. I hear some people's stories of like one spouse who's left the faith like more than a year ago and still hasn't told the other spouse. Like in the relationship that I have with you now, Katie, that would be like so preposterous if one of us had like a secret that big that we were keeping from the other one. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think at this point, I just like crave open, totally honest conversations so much or communication uh that i would say like you just you need to like set up a time and talk and like say everything get everything out in the open like nothing in the shadows nothing nothing left hidden um yeah i don't know what do you think i think that you know like it's not even about being honest like i'm you know they might already know that you're not a believer anymore and all of that but I I notice it, you know, in, in our relationship, if I'm not honest about something small or if we aren't actively talking every single day about kind of like where we're at today, where do we feel? I feel disconnected from mm-hmm. Joe, and I know that you feel that from me too. And I think that like ever since we kind of left this, we this religion, we realized that there were a couple like kind of taboo things we don't talk about, you know, like you don't talk about masturbation. You don't talk about divorce. You don't talk about certain like scary sex things. You don't talk about like your sex life. If you had one before you were Christian, you don't talk about, I don't know. There's like a couple of things that you just don't talk about. You wouldn't talk about a polyamorous relationship. You Mm -hmm. like wouldn't definitely, you know? And I think that what I've realized is, well, I'm sorry. And the biggest of all, you wouldn't talk about like necessarily doubts. Like yeah, you wouldn't right. talk about like little nuanced like thoughts or weird, like sinful maybe thoughts you're thinking, or maybe like you wouldn't talk about porn with me. Right. So like that, I think kind of, I didn't realize it, but it really created a divide. And we have uh, just like been radically honest with each other these past year, two years. And even these past couple months that we've had some other conversations that I just like, I feel like they maybe seem a little bit taboo or could maybe offend the other person. But I'm, we've like really tried to not be offended by anything that the other person brings up because Mm -hmm. it's a way that we stay connected. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think that 
if you're going to be in relationship with someone and you're going to be that close with someone, it's super important for me. And I don't know, maybe other people to be completely open. And if that can't be, then I don't understand. Um, I guess I don't understand how a relationship can happen right. because I think that, I think that it needs to have a coreness of just like complete honesty. Yeah. That being said, if you completely share yourself and the other person is able to completely share yourself and like that doesn't do anything or like an agreement can't be made or, uh, you know, any kind of like um, compromise, then I don't know where you go with that. And I think that you just kind of have to follow your instincts. Yeah. Right. Of I think that ultimately that more people should feel their instincts of like what they think they need to do in a right. situation. Yeah. Try, like trust their gut. And I think it's hard coming from being, you know, in Christianity. Mm-hmm. I can really empathize. I guess I, as you were talking, I was just thinking that I can really empathize with uh, a person who doesn't want to share something with their spouse because they don't want to like break their spouse's heart or they don't want to hurt their spouse's feelings. Because I think that I was that way with you mm-hmm. for like the first seven years of our relationship. We've been married for eight years. It's like, feel like fairly recently I've kind of come around on that, mm-hmm. but like where I would, yeah, I kind of tried to like manage your reaction of to what I was going to say to you, or I try to avoid telling you things that would upset you or whatever. And so I can really empathize with having something that you know is going to like really, really hurt your partner. Um, and so you don't want to say it to them. But that being said, I've now kind of come to realize that it's if you if I'm going to be in a relationship with someone I want I want to take full responsibility for like what's actually happening what's what's actually happening in my life I want if there's something scary in my mind I don't want to like hide from it and hide it from my partner I want to face it and I want to face it with my partner together you know like I want to turn towards the scary stuff in my life and like approach it head on I don't mm-hmm. want to hide anymore and I think at this point for me, um, like not sharing something with you in order to protect your feelings feels like kind of hiding from a problem that needs to be addressed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I think there's no real advice here. There's just kind of opinions yeah, and totally. feeling it out and, and feeling what feels right for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's yeah. how we feel. All right. Uh, how do you handle talking to Christians? Do you ask them questions about faith and try to get them to see the light and find freedom? Or do you let them be and find common ground elsewhere? Um, I think this is another one where you kind of just need to use your judgment. I feel like personally in my life, there are certain Christians that I have talked to about my like new beliefs and the fact that I left the faith and stuff like that. But there are also tons that I haven't brought it up to. And I like definitely won't unless they bring it up, you know, Mm -hmm. like they're just, certain times there's no reason to even bring up like your religion mm-hmm. in a conversation with a person. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think let them be, I feel like, I feel like everybody needs like the example of taking the stress off religion. Like, why do we have to tell each other? Like, why do we have to be right? Or why do we have to like, you know, share our beliefs yeah. and make religion the focus. And because like, that was my focus for so long. I want to just, I kind of want to let a couple relationships be for a while and just like kind of figure out who that person is more. Like, like so, connect as a person. Yeah. Connect like, more as a person. Yeah. Um, but maybe in the future, I think it's like good too to do that. Especially if you're kind of like, like for, I was like really angry for a while about yeah. it. If I would have talked about it, it would have been too 
personal, yeah. you know, and I would like have gotten to, upset. So like taking down. a break and just kind of like letting people be and like think what they want to think is like, a, it's kind of a good practice for you yeah. as a person who you didn't, you weren't like allowed to feel that way, right. I guess, for totally. most of your life Yeah, so far. All right. Next one. As you're freeing yourselves from shame, what has the impact been on your feelings toward your parents, given that our parents, wittingly or not, are so instrumental in teaching us shame? Has your relationships with your parents been impacted by your growing self-acceptance? I think so. I think both of our relationships have been impacted. Mm -hmm. I think that since we told our parents about um, this all, like, you know, this podcast and or just being ex-Christian, uh, we both noticed a change in our relationships with them. And I think that there's just a sense of taking responsibility for our lives more and kind of a, I feel a little bit more grown up. I think that, I think I didn't realize how I was probably hiding a lot from my parents. And this is like the biggest one and kind of putting that out in the open has made me feel like, I don't know. I want to have a good relationship with them now. And I don't really think I wanted that before. So, and I feel it could be just age, uh, just growing older, but, um, I, I feel like it's largely linked to that huge thing I was honest with. And, and because of that, it like was very, I felt like it took an amount of bravery and just like self, you know, acceptance and believing in myself to do it. And, I, I really think it kind of opened the door to like being that way in front of my parents more. And, and I think that like living out here, like away from them has really like helped me like just become my own person separate from them, regardless of the shame they taught me and, and all of that. And yeah. I think that has really been good for our relationship yeah, for sure. with them. Yeah. I think like the step of telling my parents what I was going through was like, the first step in kind of breaking that bond with them. Cause like I was just saying in the last question, I like didn't want to tell them for the longest time because I was kind of trying to protect their feelings and like manage their reaction. But at a certain point, like that was going so hard against my own values that I had to stand up for myself. And I like had to tell them even though it might hurt their feelings. And I think that, um, that moment was kind of like a separation of my values and their values. I think I heard someone say once that, guilt is what you experience when you cross your own values and shame is what you experience when you're crossing somebody else's values. Mm. And so for me, like that moment of telling my family kind of made me not care so much about their values anymore. Like it was like a moment of like, okay, from this point on, I like kind of can't care what they think. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're going through this, you're really having to examine your values because you were given your values before and Mm -hmm. now you're examining your values like really like under a microscope. And so you're, you really, really know and to a certain degree what you want, what you need. And so that makes it less shameful, you know, because you don't, you don't have that shame of caring, you know, caring what those other people want of you because you were living under their values yeah. and religion's values before. And now you, you're kind of your own person. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So All it's right. really improved our relationships with our families. Okay. Next question. All right. How, how do, you- do you think, hey, how do you think <laughs> you'd respond if you were still a Christian and your parents deconverted? Ooh. How would you want them to approach you with the topic? Dang, that's a really this good question. This is a good question. Yeah, I know. Um, obviously, I don't have this perspective, uh, but in my visualization of what I would do, <laughs> and if I think through it, I kind of want to go back to what I said about the 
uh, partners in a relationship that I would want my parents to be 100% open and honest about mm-hmm. like exactly what they went through from start to finish. Like, yeah, I, I know that it would be like super, super hard to hear, but I feel like it would really make me respect my parents and like trust them more and like honor them as people if they were willing to like just totally bear themselves to me. You think? You know? Yeah, I think so. Because I don't know if I think if I went into ministry and I was like working in ministry and then found out like five years later that my parents had like left the faith and then didn't tell me about it, I would be that would really hurt, you know, mm-hmm. I th- it would be weird. I, I think, think it would hurt either way. It would hurt either way. Mm-hmm. But I think that like the the aftermath of the hurt from the honesty is like way more open and like and wholesome and whatever, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, that's like a way more pure route to take. And I think that I'd have a lot better relationship with my parents if they were being totally honest with me than if they were like kind of hiding to protect me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that in like, as far as like a way to do it, I was thinking about this, that I would rather have them tell me in person than how I did it, send an email or how you did it, phone call. Mm -hmm. Because since like deconverting or whatever, I've read like a couple stories of people who had long conversations with their parents just sitting in the living room. And I kind of wish that I already would have had that conversation, Mm -hmm. like a a long back and forth uh, with my parents. and. I can see myself, if I'm thinking about this happening like in our height of Christianity, I can see myself reacting in a similar way that some Christians have reacted to us, you know, toward mm-hmm. my parents. Yeah. But like, I think it's just because that's the only way you kind of can, you kind of know how to react as a Christian. And I feel like I'm just trying to say, maybe don't take it too personally. Yeah. Because I think that I could have been kind of snobby back to my parents. Oh, for sure. And, um, but like, I don't know. You can't account for like what will happen to you in a couple of years. That's a good point. Yeah, actually, because I think that if I was in my height of my Christianity, my parents said that to me, I probably would have been like, like really upset by that, Yeah, you know, which mm-hmm. I but, mean, it's kind of expected. And uh, I don't think I'd change my answer. Like, I think I'd still want them to be totally honest because like I said, you're going to be like hurt either way, or it's going to affect the relationship either way. So like, I think I would still rather they choose honesty and or like whatever openness, I guess. Maybe like in person. Yeah. Yeah, But I think in person and after having a lot of difficult conversations this year, I think like just scheduling a time to like sit down and have a conversation about something is going to feel like kind of awkward and uncomfortable. But that feeling after the conversation is done is so worth it. Or at least it has been in, Mm -hmm. in my experience. So, yeah, that was a fun hypothetical to play. Again, I know this is like probably way harder when you're actually in the situation uh, than it is for us, like talking about it so lightheartedly right now. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing for like is like just to not take people's reactions personally, but like look at it as more of an exercise for you to be free Mm -hmm. because I'm thinking about it more and I'm like. I don't know. I mean, like, there is a likelihood of you getting a good reaction and the person, like, just completely seeing what you see. But I feel like it is also very likely that they'll, you know, have just a very Christian reaction, like, Mm -hmm. how I would have reacted or you. And that's just because, I don't know, it's just like, we all know why. We can all, like, look at ourselves back in that point and see, yeah, I guess if someone would have come to me in this way, I think I might have reacted 
like right. in a similar way. Maybe not like so hateful, but just kind of like I don't understand and like what's going on with your life. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I feel like it's good to practice not taking those reactions personally. Yeah. Because we can empathize they, with them. Yeah, we can empathize with mm-hmm. them. For sure. All right. How have you gotten through the morning of losing your identity and losing valuable years of your life? I invested everything for decades and there's no rewind button. Um, yeah. I mean, I think everyone who goes through this deconversion process has like a lot to mourn about, you know, like mm-hmm. we all missed out on a lot. And I think it's like super valid to feel a, a major sense of loss for the years that you, you like lost, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that for me, because I tend to spend a lot of time in mourning for things, you know, or, or regret. And, um, I, I feel like I'm not this much of a hard ass, but I like to, I think I need hard truths. Like I, I like when people kind of tell me hard truths, uh, cause I think it's what I need to hear. But like, I feel like there is that sense of you need to accept your emotions as valid. And I need to like, for me, I need to be like, yeah, that sucked. Like that really, really sucked. And that you are valid, like you are valid in feeling that way. Or like you, that is an emotion you would have if you experienced this totally, totally, totally. But do you want to stay in that mindset right now for a while? Or do you want to get out of it? And like, has staying in that mindset helped you with anything besides just like remembering your past? And of course, the answer is no, it doesn't help you. So you kind of need to like, need to, you know, remind myself like, okay, get up and move forward. And I feel like that's with like a lot of things in life. Um, I noticed myself getting caught up in regret or just being like, I wish I was this way, or I wish this was differently about my life. And, um, it's really addictive for me. And I, (laughs) I tend to like, I love thinking about that so much, but I need to stop myself and be like, yeah, okay, that's valid. But like, is it helping you? Is it making you happier, healthier? No. And what do I want for my life? I want to be happier and healthier. Okay. So I need to like move forward and not, you know, ruminate on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like super practically, we like literally made a practice of exactly what Katie just said. Like if you notice yourself getting caught up in that resentment of the past, like literally stop, take a deep breath, like pull out your phone, write down in a note what you're feeling right now in your body, like Mm -hmm. breathe through that, you know, give yourself a little affirmation that like, Hey, I know I went through something hard, but like, what am I going to do with my life now? Mm -hmm. Like who cares? I went through something hard. Who cares? What am I going to do now and go about your day? And maybe when you first start, you're going to have to do that 10 times a day. But I, I promise you, if you do that for a month every day, like you're going to feel significantly different after just practicing that new habit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So next question, how do you account for uh, differences in deconversion? You guys have landed in a human slash atheist camp, which is fine. And I feel like I've landed in a progressive slash inclusive slash spiritual camp as a means of dealing with the unexplainable and the mystery of life. Um, I, th- I think I- that first of all, I, okay. How do you account for differences in deconversion? I think that um, I want to be like that annoying teacher right now and say, so the first thing about this is, well, I think that we need to stop thinking about camps because mm-hmm. like really we haven't landed in a camp um and i guess it's fine if someone did but like i think that like we i want to stop being focused too focused on that because it's fine like no matter whatever anybody believes now kind of 
Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, in a way, like, I don't want to be too preoccupied with, like, how anybody else views the world. Because for so long, I was, like, so preoccupied with how everybody views the world. Um, and so, yeah, I think, like, my answer would be, like, to me, it's kind of just, it's fine. It's, you know, it, it's fine. I, I think you, I don't know where you are right now, like, mm -hmm. with what we were just talking about before. But like I said, I think I, like, recently kind of switched from, like, an atheist humanist camp to a more, I don't know, I don't, it's not even a camp, but like, I kind of feel, I feel better when I choose to believe that something created all this uh -huh. or that like, this is something more natural and organic than mm -hmm. like whatever empty space with no meaning. So like, I don't know, I want to be really fluid in it. And you yeah, know, I think that too, that like, we don't know what each other's camps necessarily are. And <clears throat> I feel like it's, I think that I really am a firm believer of like not identifying so strongly with things mm -hmm. <clears throat> because it just creates this kind of you versus me. And like, I would never describe myself as an atheist just like off the bat to someone, but sometimes it's like the easiest way to talk about it when you're in a middle of a conversation. Um, because day to day, I'm like a pretty spiritual person. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But I just don't talk about that because I think it's like, it's really personal. And it's not like necessarily helpful to everyone, because they might have a different way of right. thinking about their spirituality. And the thing is that like, none of us know the like ultimate truth about the meaning of any of this. And so like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like we can all just kind of choose what we want to think and all just get along like a big happy family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So the next question says, is there anything you miss from Christianity? The thought of an afterlife, the idea of a divine purpose, etc." Um, yeah, I think in a, in a way there are things that I miss from Christianity and actually both of those things are probably like the biggest examples for me. I think like the idea of an afterlife and the, especially for me, the idea of a divine purpose. Um, I took a lot of comfort in those things. And so like losing that was, really difficult. Like probably the hardest part of leaving Christianity for me was losing my divine purpose mm -hmm. um, and like caused me to get depressed. And yeah, like it's super hard. So yeah, I, I miss the comfort of that in a way. Um, but I will say that the further I get from Christianity, the more I'm realizing that like I can choose my own purpose for this life. And right now anyways that feels like so much more beautiful and like human than what i had previously with christianity like like the purpose that was just given to me was kind of like a shallow like overly sweet thing and me choosing my own purpose feels like a real like significant i don't know it feels like heavier and more beautiful and more more significant than it did as a Christian. Mm -hmm. So I like, I don't really miss that. It took you a while to get there. But it though. took me a long mm -hmm. time to get there. Yeah. And like, even still, I think there's some times where I, like, I have that thought and that feeling where I'm just like, oh, like, I really miss knowing all the answers. I really miss like being on the, the good team, you know? The good team. Like the, like, <laughs> I really miss feeling like, I'm part of like the good people on earth, mm -hmm. you know, and not that I feel like I'm part of the bad people on earth now, but I feel like there are no teams, mm -hmm. which again is better, but like there is some comfort in being part of like a tribe. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I kind of missed uh, like how the fantasy of it, like, like, fan like, um, 
like you were part of a fairy tale almost yeah. like especially because of us we were kind of like pentecostal charismatic we thought like we could heal people and like there were special gifts and it was almost as if you're living a fairy tale you know there's a war going on and it's the good versus evil and there's a king and at the end like you're gonna win and you know and mm-hmm. everything's gonna be all right you know it's it seems like a classic lord of the rings you know <laughs> kind of just fairy tale yeah. and i i really i liked kind of thinking about that and sometimes we talk about it like oh isn't it cool that our life is kind of like uh special in this way isn't it cool that magic is real yeah isn't it cool that magic is real and um looking back on it now i don't necessarily miss that but i do feel it's like that kind of sense of where you're nostalgic almost but you kind of like grew out of something Mm, and mm -hmm. you you feel like you just kind of miss like playing with that thing when you were a kid or or being or having that kind of an imagination when you're a kid i mean and it goes along with religion being very childlike and i think that does seem like a good thing when you're in it but now like looking back for me it's been like one of the biggest ways in which i felt kind of hurt by religion is just how childlike everything was and just kind of a sense of feeling very young and naive and just insecure you know not safe when i'm not under the father Mm -hmm. and so now i look back on it with like a little bit more of a nostalgia in a way like i miss it but i i feel like i'm i'm better off here yeah totally i guess yeah that makes sense all right. Uh, what did you do with all those Christian books and extra Bibles? Like donate, trash, recycle, give them back to your parents. What religious books have you kept? Okay, so we had when we were moving out of our one of a one of our apartments, we had decided like a little bit months before that we weren't Christian anymore. We decided to throw away all of mm-hmm. our Bibles. It and felt it, like a therapeutic oh, thing. Yeah, in a way, it was like it feels like it's blasphemous to throw this book it in did. the trash. Yeah. But I think we should do it because I think it would be really healing. For Especially because I had like, like a baller study Bible with like that thick, soft leather cover. And it had that pristine gold edges on all Dang, the papers. We should have sold it. And it had the little tabs on the side, like with the, the different books mm-hmm. kind of like cut into the pages. Mm-hmm. Because it was like a baller Bible. Mine was really nice too. Like soft leather cover. I can remember like walking out, around the side of our apartment and opening the trash can lid and throwing it in yeah. and feeling like feeling something kinda in my like, body when I did oh, that. Like, like oh. oh my gosh, we're going to hell now. Yeah, yeah. Kind of that kind of feeling. And I threw away my journal, which yeah. I'm actually really yeah, I'm about now. mad we did that too. Okay, yeah. So don't throw away your Bibles because actually it was super therapeutic, but also if you start a podcast, you might want to read from it. <laughs> yeah. And actually it's funny since then, we've like gone to the store. We went to Goodwill and bought a Bible for a house. Yeah, we're like, how do we get a Bible? <laughs> because we read the Bible now more than we did. Like, That's we were, not true. Not <laughs> we more. We read the Bible quite a bit now, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was weird like having to go and Bible, buy a Bible now. Uh, we Have we kept any religious books? I had a lot of nonfiction Christian books like mm-hmm. about how to be a better Christian. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I sold or throw away, threw away all those. Yeah, I don't think we have them. any more uh, Christian yeah. books. I, again, I kind of wish we had them for this like podcast application because i Ooh, feel like we do be have good one we have the reason for god or god uh the reason for god is that what's called yeah yeah we have that one because your mom gave it to us mm-hmm. recently yep all right uh it says this is pretty shallow but i'm genuinely curious are there any christian music artists you still enjoy post deconversion uh i like can't listen to christian music <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of christian artists i liked and i think um 
yeah, I like I I can't really listen to them because I just don't enjoy it anymore. It's what like about it's Under Oath? Old they Under like, Oath. weren't really Christian. I could listen to Under Oath still. So. What about My Children, My and Bride? And I could listen probably to like some of the Christian metal bands like My Children, My Bride or like A, Pre- a Plea for Purging because mm-hmm. like they didn't really sing about God that much, like a little bit. But like I could not listen to For Today mm-hmm. or I could not listen to some like the Ember Days. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's like super worshipy, you know. Yeah, most it, like, of the really stuff triggers me. I can't listen to. I guess one of the things I can listen to that you said you can't is Kai Kai. I don't know yeah. if anybody knows that band. I don't know their story now. I don't know if they're still Christian, but I I think that I have like some really good memories tied to that band that mm-hmm. weren't that didn't have anything to do with Christianity, and I think that's why. But when I hear it, it really it reminds me of like of like 2014, yeah. and it makes me feel really happy. <laughs> it it's, it kind of sucks because I really like their music, mm-hmm. like I, musically, I really like it. But th- that band in particular is like so closely tied to my Christianity because that I like mm-hmm. so connected with it when I was a Christian. That now it's it's uh, it has to just stay in the past for me. No, I get that. Yeah. Um, how have you built community outside of the church? Oh, so this this next part is somebody wrote a similar question to that, but they wrote this really good, um, just like an insight into how it is like having friends in the church and we wanted to read it. So it said, I can see now that my entire life I accepted an artificial substitute for real friendships. Honestly, I didn't even have any real friends until I began to exit the church. Uh, Here's the horrifying truth around my friendships. Somehow, a person saying they were a believer was enough to make someone my friend and all that goes with it. Trustworthy, a prayer partner, sister, a brother in the Lord. I never even thought about the fact that this total stranger in Bible study never had to do the real work of building trust and affinity. While I was in the movement for nearly 50 years, I couldn't even see how shallow these friends were. After all, we were sisters and brothers in Christ. We were going to spend eternity together and we shared our prayer requests and concerns each week. I was constantly attracting lousy people through this boundaryless, single-topic approach to friendships, but I just couldn't see it because Jesus was all that mattered. So I just needed other people as obsessed with Christian thinking. I thought this was so was like, well said. That is so well said. I never thought about it like that before, but it's really true. I, I think like I felt like I had a ton of friends when I was a Christian, but like those friends were only friends because they were also Christians Mm -hmm. and they were also my gender and they were also fairly close to my age. Mm -hmm. Like that was all it took to be a friend. Like when I was a Christian, it was like, you had to believe in God in a similar way to I do Mm -hmm. and be a boy and like (laughs) be within like 10 years of my age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's weird. I did have a ton of those kind of like shallow friendships. I didn't realize it until like I've saw other people writing about it on Reddit and stuff that how shallow the friendships were. I'm not there. Not saying I don't want to like say necessarily that they were shallow, but that there wasn't a lot else that we had in common. And that like when that one commonality went away, it was the most important one. And so like your friendship kind of fades away. I think it's like I think that's probably why we don't really have a lot of our friends from our past, because there's really not much. um there's not a connection there. Like we never had a like deep a con- there's not a deep connection. connection. No, yeah. I think uh, other people have talked about this, and I've mentioned it. Is that a lot of my friendships were did feel more like mentory. Like if there was somebody who was older than me, I felt that they were my older sister, and they you know spoke truth into my life, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how our relationship was. And so I don't. I when we moved, I was cra- I was really craving friendship, and I didn't really know uh, what that was 
going to be like. And I, I remember we were still Christian and I prayed for that. That was one of the last things I prayed. I mean, besides praying for God to show up in my life, I prayed for like friendships. I was like, I, I want friends. Yeah. That's all I want because I feel I haven't had anybody who is really that close with me. Um, and so how do we, I think we had a couple questions about how to build friendships now on the other side. And we, we were thinking about this is that church is like kind of like the, a, a banger place to make friends because <laughs> if you're not religious, you struggle with making friends, mm-hmm. but people who go to church, you're surrounded by all of these like-minded people. You see them, you know, at least once a week on Sunday mornings. And, um, you know, we had a lot of those friends in church and like, I do kind of miss, I guess I miss the community of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see that the, like if we had kids too, and our kids were friends <clears throat> with other kids <throat> in the church, that that would like super amplify that <clears throat> feeling of losing your community as well. Yeah, definitely. So I think that we just need to feel blessed that we all had that <laughs> upbringing because I mean, because like a lot of people don't even have that like that kind yeah. of thing growing yeah. up like if they're not religious you know and so we just need to figure out how to make friends like everybody else like secular had people. to the whole yeah. time and i think that since like church is kind of like your hobby that a good way to make friends now is to find a hobby and then try to connect to people i think it's great that we have instagram now and, yeah you know and we've connected to a lot of people through right. that yeah we're, we're uh, photographers so, and like through photography we've met a ton of friends mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah and that's kind of how we've met most of our friends we've like had a hobby like picked a hobby that we really got into and then just started like reaching out to other people we did it personally through instagram yeah um but like i think it's it's kind of like hard you kind of have to network and it is really annoying and it takes a lot of time and now i would say that we have less friends but our friends than we less friends than we had in church, yeah. but the relationships are way stronger and they feel like uh, more equal. There's a sense that anybody, you know, can say anything and anybody can give advice to anyone. There's no person who's higher, like sp- more spiritually, like longer, whatever. Yeah. What am I trying we're to say? We're just all like, equals. Like there's spiritually no... Spiritually older, whatever. Right. We're equals and we're allowed to like question things and we're allowed to disagree and all of that. And it's just like... It feels like a more free relationship. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. Next one. What about prophetic words that were spoken over you? Do you feel like you can shake the hope that they still might be true or the fear that you missed out? And I think, should this one be our last question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we, we, this is a good question too. And something we've thought about because we have both had like, what felt like really significant prophetic words spoken over us. And I think I've told this story before, but that um, like at a house church, Benny Hinn's brother, Sam Hinn spoke a prophecy over me and singled me out in the back of the living room and said like, I, something like this, I can sense the Holy spirit is really strong on you. And I know that if you answer his call, God is going to use you to change the life of tons of people. Um, and that was like, super impactful for me when I was a Christian. Like that was really, really significant. Um, and then us together, actually it was at that same house church, wasn't it? I don't different people. Um, but prophesied over us as a couple and said, like, uh, I can tell that God is gonna use you two specifically to like counsel and mentor other couples and like help other couples in their relationship with God. Um, and we took that really seriously, mm-hmm. you know, but the ironic thing is that I, I feel like we're both like helping people spiritually 
now more than I ever did as a Christian person. Yeah. So like, I feel like our prophecies are fulfilled. Yeah, they're, they're fulfilled. So (laughs) don't have to miss out on them. I think it's funny because in both cases, those people knew nothing about it. So I feel like it was kind of, I think that there's a way that you can kind of like judge on appearance. So like by just how someone like that, we were like probably one of the only married couples at this house church and we're both like young, you know, Uh ripe with life, you know, ready to go. Yeah. And I think that I kind of feel that now looking back is when I prophesied or spoke or prayed over people that it was based a lot on appearances and stuff. And, but yeah, we like reframed them because now, you know, Joe, I think that he is like really calming. And like, I feel that he could be someone that people would go to. I feel like people could tell you things and you you're just a great listener and i think that you give really good advice and you're very like calming presence and i think that's like like a spirit in you Mm. you know like that's like a like that's the holy spirit on you i feel that like you in a way are living that out and i think that us like as a couple yeah we are talking about spirituality and like or lack of spirituality or like how our old past affected us and it is in line in a way with the prophecy reframed you know i think that like a lot of different like religions and like or things like that they have their own ways of saying the same things but in the context of their religion Mm -hmm. and i look at the prophecy like that you are you are saying something that like other people could say and like another guru but you're putting it in the context of your religion Uh, yeah that's the only way you frame life right so like if you reframe it for how we want to see it then we are we're you doing know, it. we're doing yeah. it. Yeah, you're right. You've, th- you've brought that up a few times, and I, we maybe mentioned it on the co- podcast before, but like we're really trying to spot the things in us and in each other that we were really good at as Christians and kind of trying to see like what the, what the equal skill or whatever is on the other side of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So like you're saying maybe... Like how can we lose our gifts? Yeah, our, yeah. So like maybe... On the, out- on the outside. As a Christian, I like really got so much life and was like really good at discipling people Mm -hmm. well when i left christianity i kind of mourned like losing that that skill that i was using uh but now i'm realizing like oh maybe i'm just like really good at talking to people or maybe i you know i still have all those same skills you really like like helping people that gives you life you know and and Uh you can do that in other ways i guess and maybe that's how you can live out your prophecies that were spoken over you i'm not sure what I'm not sure if you can reframe them, but like, that's kind of like what we've done with ours. I mean, if the prophecy says that like, you're going to lay your hands on someone and their arm is going to regrow, then you might miss out on that prophecy. Yeah. Maybe that's one, but you might not, you never know. Or if the prophecy says that at midnight, you'll change into a swan and then you have to swim the whole ocean like across the ocean and then when you get there you'll turn back into a beautiful woman no matter what you were before and then you have to sing a song Mm -hmm. and then then that's going to save the world then i guess like you should really like keep an eye on that and see if it'll come true still something like that i would test i would make it a point to swim i would just hold out and see when it happens (laughs) okay we're gonna wrap up right there those were some amazing questions and we have a a bunch more that we really wanted to answer. And what we're going to do is answer a few more of them over on our Patreon. So look out for that. Ooh, another fun announcement that we have this week is that we have a new merch store. And I've been having a lot of fun making some very random designs that I hope you'll like. Um, and we'll link to that store on 
all of our various social medias, I suppose, because I don't know the URL off yeah. the top of my head. <laughs> but it's really fun, um, and I hope you like it. Yeah, you guys should totally check it out. It's really good. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you later. <laughs>